Brothers and sisters, it's been a long week, and let me tell you, it's been a long day. Much has been happening around the world, and indeed locally as well. On a personal note, uh, we all, as members of Fig Tree Church, want to send out our condolences and prayers to Pete Jones and his family. Peter's mum passed away yesterday, and, and brother, we're praying for you and your family, and, and our prayers with all those uh, in your family as well. We're going to stop now. I'm going to pray and I invite you to pray with me. Heavenly Father, we do lift up the Jones family as they mourn the loss of their mum. We thank you that we as a community, even though we can't physically gather, we can gather online. And we ask, Lord, that you pour out your blessing and peace on anyone who's struggling right now. And may it be as we listen to your words today that we can all grow in patience, in peace and truly understand your wisdom. In Jesus' name, Amen. I woke up this morning with my mind standing on Jesus. That's not the case for a short story that comes from Aesop's fable about a turtle. Let me share with you this story, which in one sense might give you some insight in what I'm going to share today. Uh, This turtle woke up one day... His mind was on all sorts of things, but he overheard two ducks talking. And these ducks were expressing the joy of all that they see as they fly around. Uh, This turtle was getting very jealous of what he heard. And they were talking about the mountains and the seas and the ocean. Of course, we appreciate why the turtle was stressed, because turtles can't fly. And the ducks were full of expression. Anyhow, the turtle was feeling quite depressed, and the ducks had an idea. They could see the turtle was a bit down. They said to the turtle, well, we can get two sticks. We can put one end of the stick in our mouth. And if you put the stick, the other end of the stick in your mouth, we will take you with us and we will fly. And you will get to see and experience all that we do. For the turtle, it sounded like a great idea. So they did that. The ducks got the sticks, put in their mouth. The turtle, of course, put the stick in his mouth. The ducks did say, you've got to note one thing. When you're up in the air, don't open your mouth. And so away they go, and the ducks are flying around, and there's this turtle in the middle with his mouth clamped on some sticks, and he's seeing all the heights and the mountains and the seas and the flowers, and it's an amazing experience. He's just blown away by it. Uh, Just then, uh, all of a sudden, a crow flew past, and the crow was stunned, and he called out to the turtle. He said, you must be the king of of all turtles, to to be flying around like this, it's amazing. And just then, the turtle started to respond, you're right, certainly I. And of course, by then, his mouth opened. Well, you know the end of the story. And I want to say to you all tonight, that as you live our lives, there are some times when we need to speak up, and there are other times when we actually need to be quiet and to listen, and to seek wisdom from other places. We are called to live carefully, to live carefully. Uh, And this is James's hope as he writes. Yes, he's writing to a congregation as they gather together. He wants them to understand true wisdom. He wants them to understand the wisdom that comes from, let's say, wisdom from below, earth, or wisdom from above, heavenly wisdom. And it really matters, and it's mattering more and more as we live our lives together in this season, in this year, in this week, 
in any given day. We all know and feel how stressful things are around us. False wisdom actually does produce something. It's not as if it doesn't matter. It does produce something. It produces envy and pride and selfish ambition. Uh, True wisdom will result in humility. It really does. There's a purity to it. Uh, Peace, uh, a well-being, and true wisdom comes from God. And I'll talk more about the simple fact that if you're watching this online, which I'm sure you are uh, tonight, that there are people out there watching who actually may not know God, and so I'm going to have a word for you towards the end of this message. The idea of James writing in, in James 3, verses 13 to 18, he, he's talking about a peace. And often the Old Testament has a peace, a shalom, uh, may it go well with you, uh, may the peace of God be with you. Language like that is true. Because the issue often comes up about quarrels and fights and arguments and stress. Uh, James 3 is telling us, as James writes, that, there's a, that humility... And peace from God is marked by meekness, a gentleness that is needed, not just for us now, but for all time. In other words, wisdom uh, rises in relationships of humility and love and servanthood uh, rather than jealousy and putting yourself forward. And wisdom is not something that happens in solitary confinement. Wisdom is not something that happens when you're alone. It's a community thing. It's a relationship. It's a family. It's a community of God's people. There's something happen as you interact with others, as you grow in understanding about what's going on around you. Uh, John Piper, many of you would know that speaker. uh, He makes this comment that wisdom is forged and sharpened in and through committed relationships. And I think there's a profound truth to that. And at the moment, we all need wisdom. We've had an interesting day today, and we all need wisdom. Wisdom to understand not just what's going on, but how to process what's going on. Uh, Right now in our world, I don't know whether you're realising this, but I'm sure you are, our world is stressed. There are things that are happening, emotions are running high, uh, and we all know why that is. Um, The murder of George Floyd, the rioters, the looters, the things we're seeing, the issue about how we in our own country have treated Indigenous lives young Indigenous lives, Black Lives Matter, Uh, the death of a white policeman uh, in in LA the other day. There's all sorts of things that are going on that right now, and especially as we're locked down and still locked down, even with some restrictions easing, our emotions are all over the place. I, I just wonder right now if I asked you this question, what is the picture that's actually being running, the movie being run in your head right now about all these circumstances? Where are your emotions at the moment with all that's happening around us? Um, People are asking a question. Our systems are wrong. It's broken. There's something wrong. It shouldn't surprise you that I too agree there's something wrong and it's sin. Sin is so profound and it's affected everything and we see it day in, day out, week in, week out, year in, year out. And In case you were wondering, the gospel of Jesus Christ, which breaks down all barriers and all divisions, is for both rich and poor, is for black and white, for male and female, for young and old. The gospel of Jesus Christ, a gospel that brings hope and a future, is all about bringing us together as one, one tribe, under one Lord, one nation. It is not about building and and creating barriers between us, no matter our profession, no matter our ethnicity. It's not about that. 
It's why God sent his son into the world to actually bring change and hope and transformation. Soul by soul. And this transformation happens from the heart first. It's an internal transformation. Um, last week, helpfully, Shane dealt with the earlier part of James 3 as, we spoke about, as he spoke about the power of the tongue, the words we use. I, I wonder again how we're going in that space at the moment. And so James is saying, live carefully and live well. Live well. And so he challenges people and he jumps in with verse 13 and says this, So who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by their deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. This question is like a challenge he's throwing out right up front. Uh, yes, he's speaking to a congregation and yes, next week Langdon will deal with the issue of church fights. He'll actually tackle James 4 verses 1 to 2 and I'm happy to read it out to you just in case you're wondering because we're going to talk about how bitterness and envy can impact any community. He asked, James asked the question in James chapter 4 verse 1, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but you do not have and so you kill. You covet but you cannot get what you want so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. You're sitting there right now thinking, could that ever happen at Fig Tree Anglican Church? Church fights. Of course it could. Of course it does. Of course it will. You just think of all the groups we have. Our nominators finding a new leader. Our parish council, our staff team, our life groups, our ministry groups, our church gatherings. We are all made up of different thoughts and reactions and emotions. You know, James is very mindful of that as he speaks to a congregation, maybe just like us. Sometimes you can hear the fights and quarrels and you'll think, are these people really Christians? Do they believe what I believe? Do they have any sense of the peace that God calls us to demonstrate? So what do you do in those times? Well, actually, you call in James. You open up James' words. Like, James, can, can you come and speak now to our congregation? Help us understand how we grow, how we actually understand each other. You know, if, if we did that, James is such a realist. We have said that over the last few weeks. James is so direct. He doesn't beat around the bush. He calls it as it is. Because too often... We can think of ourselves wise, and yet we are not. James is exactly the sort of counsellor we need during these times. Uh, last week, uh, when, James, uh, when Shane was speaking, he referred to, of course, uh, James 3 verse 10, because he's so concerned at what we say and how we live. James 3.10 says this, My brothers and sisters, this should not be. We should not fight. We should not use our tongue. You know, this tongue that can honour God and curse God at the same time, that should not be. You know, the question we've got to wrestle with, how can I change my behaviour? How can I purify my actions during days like this? Let me lean into the camera a bit. You can tell what's going on in someone's heart by what comes out of their mouth. I've seen that in over 60 years and it still stands the true test of time today. You can see, tell, feel what's going on inside someone's heart by what comes out of their mouth, by what they say. 
So we need to work out, so how does that change? And James is writing about, well, if you're going to live carefully and you want to live well, you need to go to a place to get some wisdom to help you do that. Uh, and the wisdom that you need is not going to come from necessarily those around you or from downward. You actually need to go to God. And James speaks about the, God's grace in this situation. You know, and his question that he asks, you know, who is wise among you? It's like he's inviting. Imagine if we were back gathering again and I'm preaching in a full auditorium, which I'm not. And it's like, let those who think they're wise come up to this lectern now. Come and speak about your wisdom. Because as soon as you think you're wise and start speaking about it, what happens is you open yourself up for scrutiny. You actually are now saying, well, you're going to test my wisdom. And the test may not be just with the words you speak. Let's analyze the life they live. Let's see how their wisdom impacts their actions, which it shouldn't surprise you also comes up in James. And because that's the idea behind his question. Don't, don't just talk about how wise you are. Show me, demonstrate by your life how wise you are. Demonstrate in all areas of your life. Uh, and this is why he's keen on the action. And he's already asked about wisdom anyhow. If you jump back to James chapter 1, verse 5, we've already read, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. We can ask God for wisdom. He's actually opened up his letter about wisdom. And let me tell you, we all lack wisdom. At the moment, every day in this season, I need more wisdom today than yesterday. Tomorrow, I need more wisdom than I've had today. Uh, and it, you know what that means? It means more time with God. God, help me understand what decisions I need to make. And right now in this season, myself and our team members, we are making more decisions than ever before. I just shared with Shane this morning, we closed our church within a week and we went online. It seemed hard, but at the click of our fingers, we changed. It's 10 to 20 times harder now to get back to gathering again, let me tell you. The decisions we need to make are quite extensive. James is saying there's a different way, there's a different model. Many of us might remember those words that come from Jesus in Matthew chapter 11. It's one of those great moments where we hear our Lord speak incredibly compassionately. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. We need to go to our Lord, our Heavenly Father, to actually understand the wisdom we need. You know, this issue about show us your wisdom by your life, it's pretty true, isn't it? We see lots of people do all sorts of things. Let the humility come out by how you act, how you live, how you drive, how you shop, how you bank, how you gather at church, how you work, how you play in the sporting field, all those things. Let me see it by what you do. You know, this humility question, certainly it's modelled in after Christ himself. You can go and read Philippians 2 later on about the reality of what that looks like. But let me just give you some tips about that. Humility, someone who thinks of others more important than themselves, someone who doesn't promote themselves, someone who's actually happy that someone else gets the credit, someone who can sit back and be reflective, patience would be there, someone who in trust and obedience trusts their Heavenly Father for the next day. This seems to be James's incredible concept of humility. Someone who's teachable, someone who can learn and listen and grow. You know, someone who's willing to place themselves under the authority of someone else. 
let's imagine, let me try and paint a, a picture that could never happen. Imagine if I'm the president of America and I held up a Bible and someone uh, called out to me in that moment as I stood in front of a church and said, is that your Bible? And my response would be, well, it's a Bible. And I'd want to say, if that could ever happen in our globe, I'd probably turn to James and say, James, what would you say to someone who did that? I, I think James would come out and say, look, I'm really encouraged that you actually have access to a Bible, but do you know what the idea is? The idea is actually you have to open up and read the Bible. You actually have to live out what it's saying, and especially if you want to try and identify or find what is called peace. Uh, humility is submitting yourself to someone else's authority. To be humble, to be at peace with each other. Otherwise, the cost is too high, brothers and sisters. Let me read to you from verses 14 to 16. But if you harbour bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual. And can you believe his next word? demonic James is saying that the wisdom from below is evil how far can I push that it's demonic it's evil it's from hell for where you have envy and selfish ambition there you find what disorder and every evil practice this is the wisdom that James is saying that sort of wisdom has a consequence and it's not peace and meekness and humility and love, it's the opposite. And so James is warning us about where we go to find such wisdom, how to live. And many of you might remember those great words from Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23 to 24. You can check that out later on as well. But I'll, let me give you just the first little bit from that. Jeremiah 9, 23. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom or the strong boast of their strength or the rich boast of their riches. But let the one who boasts, boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice and righteousness on earth. For these are the things that I delight, declares the Lord. James is a realist. He knows what life's like and we know right now what life's like and we need to more and more lean into God and seek wisdom from God in all areas of life. I suppose the best example I have, and many of you would probably know the movie or the trilogy, The Lord of the Rings, and I still can see the image of the orcs in my head. And I can only say Tolkien was a master at creating such a picture. But the orcs and the way they were portrayed on screen are the epitome of evil. Uh, not only do they want to kill others, they're happy to fight amongst themselves. They truly are the ones, the creatures, you'd say, who exemplify this reality of, of demonic forces of evil. And you can go and check out Galatians 5 too about, well, what are the things that come from an evil spirit? Well, James, uh, Galatians 5, Paul, as he writes to the Galatians church from verse 19 to 21, has this comparison between uh, fruit of the Spirit and indeed deeds of the, of the evil one. 
deeds of the flesh, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, drunkenness, envy, anger, all those things. The only way to change from earthly wisdom is to move to godly wisdom. Uh, Eugene Peterson says this, Mean-spirited ambition isn't wisdom. Boasting that you are wise isn't wisdom. Twisting the truth to make yourself sound wise isn't wisdom. It's the furthest thing from wisdom. It's animal cunning. It's devilish. It's conniving. Whenever you're trying to look better than the others and get the better of others, things fall apart and everyone ends up at each other's throats. We're seeing that at the moment in all sorts of ways. I said at the opening, our emotions are running high. I'd really like to ask you and to challenge you to stop and consider on this June long weekend, again, what's running through your own head and heart? What are you expressing to others? You know, are, are you considering yourself wiser than others? No doubt you have a point of view about many things. No doubt you're expressing this point of view somewhere through social media. But genuine faith is going to manifest, manifest itself in genuine wisdom in our actions, in our deeds done to each other and to others. And this is the simple application that James wants to apply. And he does it as he comes to the end of verse 17 and 18, uh, as he's calling us to live carefully, Live well, and if you're going to live wisely, then here it is. Here's the picture he paints. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. This is the sort of wisdom James is saying we need, wisdom from heaven, wisdom from God, wisdom from all that we see through Scripture, through both Old and New Testament. It's, it's a reality check about what we're like and what we're doing. Many of you can remember that great verse from that incredible sermon, Sermon on the Mount by Jesus, Matthew 5, verse 9. There is Jesus expressing himself beautifully. And he said this, Blessed what? You know it. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. James, yes, maybe he's heard his brother. Maybe he's been listening well, which we are called to do. True wisdom comes from outside of ourselves. It does come from God. And we have to examine our hearts and stop and reflect on what we're doing. Real wisdom, God's wisdom, begins with a level of humility and a life characterized by getting along with others. By what? By being gentle and reasonable. A wisdom that overflows with mercy and grace and blessings. It's not hot one day and cold the next and I like them, I don't like them. It's not like you get a flower, she loves me, she loves me not. It's not like that. And the only way to get that internally is to daily continue to engage with God. That's, that's why it matters when we're together as a community because we need to build a healthy, robust community that can withstand all the things the world throws at us. It does require an active prayer life. I'm so pleased that our, our team have got back to helping to engage, encourage others to pray together on a Sunday morning. To ask for wisdom. It requires a conscious dependence on God. And you'll see this in chapter 4. We do not know what tomorrow is going to bring. 
and we need to be dependent on God. You know, it's funny, before all this upheaval in the last three months, you could probably tell what Shane, myself, Langdon, others were like because you'd interact, you'd get to test our lives and our words, you'd get to see how we spoke to our partners, our families, our friends. The Apostle Paul in Acts 20 uses the phrase, you know how I lived among you. Well, you don't know how I'm living at the moment. I don't know how you're living at the moment. We're not seeing each other. We're not engaged in that way. But to do all these things, to actually understand the wisdom that comes from God, you actually need to know God. You need to know Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. Do you know him personally? Do you know him like that? Do you know him, him who's given his life for you? I'm so pleased coming up uh, in, in a few weeks is a new course called Christianity Explored. It's going to happen on Tuesday the 23rd of June, 7.30 to 9pm. Our evangelism director Langdon is going to run it. Uh, it's an incredible course. It's going to be on Zoom. It'll be different for all people. Uh, it's going to involve a little book like this that allows you to engage. But if you ever wanted to have a season where you can know God more, this is it. If you ever want to sort of ask the questions you need to, this is the time to do that. This is the time to actually say, well, if I need to get real wisdom that's going to help me grow and thrive and survive, well, probably I need to know who God is. This is your chance to do it. And I really encourage you to be in that space. More and more, as uh, my ministry at some point will come to the end, I realize that serving the Lord requires knee benders uh, that I suspect doesn't appear on a job description. Let me in on a secret. Do you know what? Our nominators right now are only interviewing men who wear shorts. Do you know why that is? So they can check out their knees, to see the color of their knees, to see how much they're living and to see how much they're depending on God, not just now, but for all times. You see, humility, you can't just get up, I'll be more humble today. It'd be like saying, look, you know, I've got a jar called uh, Humilify. Sadly, it's a bit empty today. Maybe I need to have another pill about humility, then I'll grow. Then I can take a pill tomorrow and I'll be more humble than yesterday. It doesn't work like that. You actually need to make sure it's a virtue. You can't summon it up one day. Uh, ministry itself can bring lots of brokenness in my own life and in our own lives because it has its challenges. James is saying, you know, true wisdom from God, it's pure. It's peace-loving. It's considerate, submissive. It's full of mercy and good fruit. It's impartial. It's so different to what we see in the world. I was stunned the other day to see online the governor of New York, and I don't know how to pronounce his surname, Andrew. I'm just going to say it, Como. And can you believe it? He quoted four passages of scripture as he reflected on his president. And one of the passages of scripture he quoted was actually James 3, verse 18, about peace and righteousness. The fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. I, I, I'm sensing around the globe there are more and more people going to the Bible to try to find answers at the moment, which is true. The opposite of disorder is not being neutral. It's actually moving into a place of order and love and grace and mercy and peace. Finally, if we're called to live carefully, to live well and to live wise, we are called to live Christ. This is the Apostle Paul's call. Uh, things like bitterness and hatred and anger only lead to violence. We're seeing that right now. I was moved the other day as I conclude 
uh, and it's been a long time since I looked at it. It was actually Martin Luther King's letter in April of 1963. He wrote this letter. It's probably about 13 pages long. He wrote it from his Birmingham prison cell. And he wrote his letter in April 63, some five years before he was assassinated, and some four months before the great I Have a Dream speech on the steps of Washington. He wrote this long letter in response to white pastors criticising him for the civil rights movement and his role. And understand, as he writes this letter in Birmingham prison, he's only about 34 years of age. He was a very young man with all this happening around him. Uh, And he writes this letter and he concludes by saying this, I hope this letter finds you strong in the faith. I also hope that the circumstances will soon make it possible for me to meet each of you. He's in prison. Not as a civil rights leader, but as a fellow clergyman and Christian brother. He's writing it to white pastors. Let us all hope that the dark clouds of racial prejudice will soon pass away and the deep fog of misunderstanding will be lifted from our fear-drenched communities. And in some not too distant tomorrow, the radiant stars of love and brotherhood will shine over our great nation with all their wonderful beauty. Yours for the cause of peace, Martin Luther King. What I find breaks my heart is that that's 63, 1963, nearly 60 years ago. If you want to have any understanding of the challenge at the moment, you can check it out online. Letter from Birmingham. It's absolutely worth a read to get an insight into what's going on. Martin Luther King, like, the, like James who writes, the wisdom we need is a wisdom that will bring peace. So when you wake up tomorrow morning, where will your mind go and where will your mind stand on? Wisdom from below or wisdom from above? And if you have any real doubts, as I conclude, go and check out Romans 12 verse 9. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. And we need to be mourning right now. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome evil. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. May our wisdom from above bring change, not just one soul at a time, but one community and one nation at a time. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you have done in our lives. Lord, may it be that with all that's going on, we too can demonstrate the love of others that you call us to do. Father, may it be that you maintain and are always our vision. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.